Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Adel Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host with the most as always, Adel Marcy, and today we are actually joined by a friend of mine that we've been trying to get on the show for about a good nine months. A uh, guy called Adam Lipinski, uh, L-I-P-I-N-S-K-I. Dude is an actual genius at what he does. One of the better copyrights I've seen online, and yeah, just an overall good dude. Really, really nice guy, quite chill, and does uh, gets along doing his own thing. Oh. Just a quick shout before we get Adam on. Uh, sponsors. Right, so you're sponsored by AdamMarcy.com. Uh, today, as always, which is our website. Go there, check out the podcast. Uh, listen to all of the other ones because they're great. And also TarotReadingDaily.com. And that's Tarot's in T-A-R-O-T ReadingDaily.com. And we're sponsored by them as well for this episode. Dude, thank you so much for actually being here. Hey, Adel. Thank you so much for a nice introduction. I'm... Glad we finally did get a chance to, to sit down and talk. So I'm looking forward to it. Likewise, dude. Likewise. So what have you been up to? I mean, like you just launched this site, uh, what, the start of 2018? Ah, uh, you know, the uh, Troll Reading Daily actually has been up for about a year now. But what we launched is our sales funnel. Uh, we're doing, we're currently in the middle of a quick bank contest launch um, for the funnel, which is a, a free three card reading. For your past romantic past present and future and then it goes into a sales pitch so it's a it's a funnel we've been developing actually about two years and uh we've been hitting it little you know pretty hard for this year 2018 that's where we've been doing a lot of testing a lot of things getting ready and we've been having a launch contest for the last two weeks and uh now it's the last last week is in front of us so right in the middle of it that's pretty awesome dude that's amazing so like with that being said let's let's just jump back into a little bit of history here because this is something i love asking people is really what was the actual moment for you that actually switched it on for you to become a copywriter when you did and i got a follow-up question i'm waiting for you to answer this one first Ooh, that's a good question when did i decide to become a copywriter well ah uh, that would have to be the day that I gave a presentation in a hospital as a medical sales rep, as I was after college. I, I went to school for entrepreneurship. I was in medical sales for a couple of years. Uh, they moved me out to Los Angeles from Connecticut within the first year of working there. And then I kind of crash landed in LA. Um, when I had, you know, started my job there, I started driving around LA like a maniac and then, I realized that every single day I was in smog and it was insane and I could not handle it. And I was saying the same damn thing over and over and over and over and over again. So there was this one time I did this mess, uh, this lunch where we would, you know, wine and dine the surgeons and all that. And I remember just going through the motions of a sales pitch and I felt like a robot and I just said, okay, I drove three hours to get here in traffic. And I'm standing here and everything is boring and dull and I feel like I'm kind of a slave. So fuck this amount. Right? right. That was the moment. I was like, I could bottle up my pitch. When I discovered copywriting, I was like, I could bottle up a pitch and then send a bunch of people to it. That sounds like a way better idea to me. Yep. So that was that was the huge turning point for me when I even discovered copywriting, to be honest. So my friend Craig Clemens uh, opened my eyes to Oh, copywriting cool. was good old Craig, man. I've not heard from that guy in years. How is he's he? He's doing excellent. He's doing excellent. Craig is uh, 
Craig is doing excellent. He uh, is actually let me borrow a course from uh, one of his friends uh, a long time ago when I was living in LA. And that was just opened my eyes to, to marketing in general while I was doing my sales route. You know, people are sitting around hanging out and money's coming to them. I'm like, that's a lot better idea. So that's, um, yeah, as soon as I kind of discovered that, I had friends back then that were into it. And then I really realized the potential of it. Yep. So, yeah, just uh, couldn't do the driving anymore. Couldn't do the robot sales thing anymore. You know, just paid very well, but I couldn't do it. Well, man's got to have a code and sometimes you get bored and i ain't gonna lie like boredom is probably one of the biggest drivers to actually find freedom than anything else yeah right that's crazy absolutely crazy but that's really interesting so my follow-up question really was how did you actually transition yourself out from writing for others to essentially just running your own stuff because that's something that i know a lot of my audience listening to this are going through you know that's a really good question so for me, it kind of happened a little backwards. Okay. Uh, there's a couple cycles to this. When I first left my, uh, my nice cushy six figure job, let's say, okay. It was in California. I took a massive pay cut to go work for some people that were willing to pay me to essentially work, learn copywriting and learn marketing. Um, uh, you know, because they knew I was able to do it. And so I started right away with a, you know, a little bit of money, trying to learn and figure out stuff, learning things. But I also found a really, 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 really good niche that was a super, super secret that I had discovered and no one else really had any idea about. Uh-huh. Um, so I actually started and did my own product right away, like right off the bat. Um, I, that's not where it ended though, by any means. Yeah. So I, 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 yeah. Um, I got lucky. I got really lucky because I, I've always had ability to see kind of foresight to things like markets and trends or, or, or things just in general. And this particular market stood out and a lot of people didn't believe in it and didn't believe that it would be worth anything. Uh, but I just kind of went ahead and did it anyway, and it started to make some great money. And I was making, uh, I taught myself literally everything. So I, I, I went from making six figures a year to making, I don't know, 15,000, you know, like, well, how much do you make at $15 an hour working for someone else? Right. Mm-hmm. Like I was living in a house, Redondo beach, had a bunch of my friends move in. Okay. I had this crazy party house full of a bunch of dudes just right here at the beach and it was awesome time and I did that so I didn't have to pay rent I went from you know having my own condo right next to the beach to okay really downsizing and, and, and getting everything I can so I don't have to pay as much for life you know so I could figure out other ways to get get through so because I gave myself one year so I'm going to do this in a year I'll leave this house and I'm going to have a business that I'm going to be able to live off of. that was my goal so I set off to do that, and I did. I taught myself copy. That was my main focus, but I taught myself code. I taught myself graphic design. I literally did everything on the site myself, wow. and I had no idea what I was doing. Okay? <laughs> like, I had friends that were graphic designers that, like, showed me how to, my first ebook covers, they showed me how to take someone else's ebook 3D covers and take one I did and, like, skew with a cross 
<laughs> like lay it on the top so you can it looks like yours you know like i i i had no clue it was all just bootstrapped as it could be right yeah. that's be- that's so, basically the best way though oh yeah well you know that's the most real authentic raw and real and i i do think it was the best way i wouldn't have it any other way because now when i hire somebody i know exactly what they're doing i know yep. if they're bullshitting me or not yep you know i i know where they're coming from um but back then it was just like more like necessity and i was also like you know i had such a feverish desire to break free from corporate that when i did it i was just like okay it's go time you know my first year i was i was up i was very disciplined i was waking up the same time every day i had a 90 minute routine in the morning you know i really 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 grounded out hard and and repetitively and i think that's important for anyone listening that when you start into this nothing's there's no safety net anymore okay yep. like you're not getting an hourly anything i unless you're doing something on the side no one's paying you for learning really you know unless you can figure out to intern like i did uh or find some friends but you need to be willing to put in the time you know i didn't have a marketing background i i, I had a bachelor's degree in entrepreneurship i got a little bit of everything and i did learn actually to write sales and not a sales uh a sales letter per se, but a uh, business plan to pitch a bank to give me a bunch of money to run a business. That was what I learned. And it turned out to be about the same thing. So I did a lot of that in time proposal writing for a while. That's but awesome. um, yeah, um, getting back to what we're saying. So I got lucky with this niche. Um, I didn't realize how good it was or what the potential was. And when I went out there, I got AdWords, I learned AdWords. I found myself making about 300 to 400% return. It was making me about, you know, three to five grand a month. Wow. And I was paying, you know, and that was where I was at after that one year. I, uh, it was interesting because a lot has changed since then. I, I guess you could probably do this with Facebook these days uh, to some degree. But what I did when I first started, again, bootstrapping, right? right. While I was working on my product. I literally had a uh, squeeze page that was, this is back in AdWords was good, right? A squeeze page, and then they would put their email in and I would automatically redirect them to some other ClickBank uh, offer in that niche. Mm-hmm. So I did that and it basically broke even, but I built myself a list of about 15,000 people, 15,000. Wow. And once I had, yeah, so like once I actually had, I was basically breaking even on AdWords, but once I released my product, it was like, here we are. And I was able to make it back. Plus, I had affiliate promotions as well. You know, I had lots of sort of list building at that point. So, yeah, that was kind of what I was getting, you know, started up doing that. And it was about the time that um, I, AdWords changed its, uh, is policy like again guys just starting okay if you still have a job and you can start learning on the side that's great i burn the ships okay like i literally burn the ships from a six-figure career and said this is all that is left this is what i have to do and i believe that's what it takes to really do something great but not everyone's crazy like me right yep yep um a lot of people are, 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 you know, it's not necessarily you're going to have ups and downs when you don't have a safety net. Oh, right? yeah. You and go handle. Not, 
yeah, it's, it's always, it's always going to be there. Um, but if you can start really grinding something out, you know, in the, in the meantime, you know, maybe you'll benefit from the story because this is what happens when you're a newbie and you don't know anything. I was a salesman. I was not a copywriter. I was a great writer, but I was a copywriter. So I had to learn everything as they went. And so that's when I started to kind of get clients. I had my, my product first. And I started, I had getting clients on the side at the same time because I, that was just how the only way to really survive, you know, because you, while you were getting your crap and making it happen. Um, so essentially, AdWords died. AdWords decided to slap my account. And they said, no more cheating with this awesome keyword you're getting 10 cents to click on. I'm like, oh, okay. No more opt ins, no more sales. All right. So I turned to put everything really on ClickBank at that point and got into the affiliate game. Now that's when, again, this not knowing where you're really at, right? And not knowing the scope of things. Uh-huh. I, I ended up uh, doing very well with some affiliates who are already top dogs, copywriters, top dogs, marketers, some of the best in the world. Right. And I got swallowed up like a fish. Like someone came out and took, you know, product concept that I had, had already done lots of sales selling my stuff. And honestly, I didn't know the whole time. I was, I didn't really know what I had had because I hadn't hit the niche right. Because again, it was just my intuition. My luck was finding it. Um, but when I found it and like when some other people found it, now I think it was like 10 million its first year or something like that. I mean, it was, it was a really good idea and I just kind of lost out to someone with a lot more experience. And so that's why I said it comes in cycles. So I gotta, so I gotta ask, what was this actual niche? Oh, it's interesting niche. It was, uh, for women that want to learn how to talk dirty to men. Uh huh. It was a relationship niche for women. And I had found it through keyword research when I found some, uh, some of the key long tailed keywords were extremely high in terms of like a uh, word tracker, for example. I remember I typed in how to into word tracker to see what the niches were out there. It's literally what I did. I don't know if you've used Word Tracker. Have you ever used it? Yep, old school times. Old school shit. Yeah. Yeah, I've still remember um, that shit. <laughs> oh yeah, it's, it's still good though. It still works. Oh, yeah, I literally typed in how to, and you know how they have the KEI score? Yep. Which yeah. Keyword indicating it. Yes, exactly. So the KEI score for I typed in how to, how to talk dirty to my boyfriend showed up, and it had a KEI score of like four hundred thousand or something wow that's a winner right now i was like what all right so uh, what do we have here you know and i did again i didn't know anything about marketing back then i was just literally starting and uh it was a men's dating company that i was working with in los angeles um which one it's real social dynamics oh nice cool yeah they're the ones who really taught me copywriting i would have to say that owen uh, Nick Coe really took me under his wing. That's pretty showed awesome. Me a lot. Yeah, he, he showed me all the aspects of marketing. They're the ones that were able to transition me from my uh, career in, um, 
in medical sales. I was, that's how I met those guys in LA. You know, that's how I met Greg through Nick. Uh, we had a New Year's celebration together. And, uh, you know, it was just like, you know, they taught me a little bit of everything. No, uh, Owen, I remember Owen telling me to read John Carlton's Kick-Ass Copywriting Secrets from Marketing Rebel or listen to it a hundred times before doing anything else. Similarly, Craig said to me, the, the first piece of advice he said for copy is to go read every single Gary Halbert letter before I talk to him again. So between those two, I had a lot of work to do and a lot of studying. Yep. Um, and that's basically what I had done. But back to what I was saying um, through working with these guys, I, you know, I, uh, a lot of the content at, at the, in the men's dating world was really the same as this whole dirty talk thing. It's like, what was this dirty talk thing all about? It's like men, women aren't feeling confident. Like when a guy is feeling unconfident to go and approach a woman uh, that he doesn't know, like at a bar, and he's yep. feeling deer in headlights, well, women are experiencing that in the bedroom with their significant other. And I said, wow, I just came across a huge, massive problem. So I created dirtydialogue.com. Wow. And I literally didn't know what it that was a month into me doing marketing, I think. And uh, yeah, that's where the whole thing started. And then once that got kind of swallowed up by the affiliate market, it's just like, okay, I, I that's where I had to go back to the drawing board. That's where I was like, okay, I just got pummeled here. Um, and I don't have my, all my affiliates left. Uh, literally, like the, the money I was making just shut off from that business. Wow. And like everything's gone just because of one massive, one massive, massive offer. And it was that copywriter's best offer of his life. So it just was like the biggest punch in the gut I've ever experienced in, in, in this industry or in life, probably. Um, when it comes to like facing like your failures, because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people might've given up and just said, screw it. And, you know, I, shit, I thought about that a lot of times, but then I decided that I would get as good as fucking humanly fucking possible with this and never look back. And I was up early mornings working. I was reading, I was studying, I was, uh, became kind of obsessed with getting better at this and in retrospect, I mean, it lit a fire under my ass, but it also like set like a white hot heat inside of like, you know, uh, the blacksmith's fire that it's tempering a sword that is like I've been pounding on for years. So it's like, it feels like it's become, you know, really a full circle journey because my new offer is in the same area. It's not directly the same as women's relationships right now is how we geared it towards. But with tarot cards, it is universal. I can literally do anything. I decided to do the relationship as kind of our first test run through this. Um, but of course, it could apply to literally anything in life. But it just turns out that love is the number one thing that women looking for tarot card readings on the internet are looking for. It's about love. It's about the guy. There's uncertainty there. So we that's where we really found, that's where things kind of came full circle for me, is going into this, in creating this fall. So, Dude, that is it, amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a fucking journey, my friend. It's, um, you know, these there's cycles of success. 
there's not it's if people say it's like not a linear line or like squiggles i don't really believe that i don't think success is like a chart that you can go from point a to b i think it's a big cycle i think a lot of things we do are in cycles the seasons are in cycles you know people's birthdays are in cycles we all have cycles and i think you know we all learn the same lessons just harder each time around so you know that's what i've experienced with it yeah it's one of those craziest things but like um something i kind of want to highlight to everyone here like a lot of the stuff that adam's talking about in particular us this is around the same time that i kind of went through and this is something i want to say out there for every new copywriter and i say new because i'm 28 and i've been writing since i was 12 i've been doing it professionally since i i was 18. And the reason I bring that up is because a lot of the new guys that are 17, 18, 21, 25 right now that aren't 30, the people below 30 that are in my, in my realm of writing, go out there and fucking write the letters out by hand. Because it genuinely transforms the way you think. Would you agree or disagree, Adam? I I would say absolutely. I, I um, That's a really good point, you know uh the handwriting thing we are moving into a much more technical age and the younger guys that's they know that more right we're you're still you know um old enough that there was a gap in technology whereas today kids are, are literally born with an iphone in their you know diapers it's like you know this this idea of typing but handwriting absolutely is what you want to practice um i write everything so when i my process is all starts by hand. I mean, if I have notes, that's great. I'll take iPhone notes or I will write on my iPhone. Sometimes I've mm -hmm. written like 7,000 words, like a sitting sometimes on iPhone just because it all comes out. Right. Right. Um, but all of the planning and all of the pre-writing is done by hand every time. And if that means I have to rewrite things, I will do that. It, but that nine times out of 10, that first, good draft is going to come out when i'm sitting with a pen and paper rather than in front of a computer oh yeah hands down without that without a doubt one of the things that i do because um I, I i'm dyslexic so it's really weird for me to sit down and write for hours on end yeah. uh hand like pen and pad so i tend to walk around the city and i, I actually use my iphone as a dictaphone so I just, cool. I just switch it on, have my headphones in, and I look like the weirdo that's having a conversation with himself walking around the streets, <laughs> which I got to tell you is the best way ever because here's the thing. Whenever I'm writing copy, I'm having a conversation with myself, and sometimes it sounds like I'm having a conversation on the street with someone on the phone while I'm actually recording my own voice having a one-sided conversation. And I've actually had it before where I was on, uh, I was on the tube line or the subway over here in England, and um, I was doing this. It was like an empty-ish carriageway, and someone literally came up to me, tapped me on the shoulder. So I ended my recording. I looked at them and I said, hey, what's up? They're like, how are you getting cell service down here? And my response <laughs> was, I was like, I'm not. I'm having a conversation. Like, really? What are you what you're talking about just sounds amazing. What is it? And I think I was writing like a promo for a friend of mine on, um, it wasn't the dating market, it's the health supplement market on how to actually increase their uh, muscle gains by using this one supplement. And I was like, I was just having this conversation to go, you sound so knowledgeable about it, but it didn't make sense because you don't look like the most muscular guy in the world. I'm like, 
it's not my product. I'm helping a friend write this. And they asked me what I did. So I told them. And eventually they're like, huh, my, my pharmacy, the, the pharmacy I work for, they, uh, well, the drugstore, like the pharmaceutical company we work for is actually looking for a copywriter. Can we take your number? Weirdest moment. There you go. Life. I was like, it's crazy. But what I'm getting at is outside of that, and this is truly the key thing that you want to keep in mind, practicing constantly is what makes you perfect. That's number one. Two, writing by hands or your chosen method and module, uh, your chosen method of learning is the best way that you actually get better. So if you write by hand, I suggest it to everyone because it gets into your brain. After that, look at the other avenues like reading, like listening, like uh, speaking, um, or getting on video. All those different modems or mediums of um, getting the message across are great for you to keep refining your sales copy and who you are and what you do. That's a good point. Um, you know, I, I think it was Gary Vaynerchuk that said that we all have you know, different types of DNA when it comes to output of creation. And um, that always stuck with me because it's you're a writer, you're a speaker, or you're just like to talk. Like, so, you know, what is the, the mode that works best for you? Um, and I, if some people are much just better natural writers, whether it be on paper or on computer, it's just getting that idea through the, the brain. And I definitely handwrite guys, definitely do that. It, it activates way more of your brain neurons I don't know the exact statistics, but it helps you remember it. And there's a point to that because here's something I learned through doing this and through doing, I've done, I don't know, dozens and dozens of sales letters, probably a, a hundred at this, I don't probably not even that many, but enough that I've done this enough that it doesn't exist on the paper and it doesn't exist on the, the document that you're typing. And it doesn't even exist in the audio that you're recording. It exists in your head first and foremost, right? Yep. Well, so like Gary, Gary Halbert used to loop through his entire sales letter, you know, um, the entire time. Uh, he would just loop through them and whoever was around would hear him because he would audibly just say them and he would repeat himself, making nuanced changes and things like that. Um, and when I heard, found out about that, I realized I kind of do the same thing. I do it in a subconscious way. Um, I'm trying to make it more conscious. Uh, but it's this looping process of grooming through the entire piece over and over and over again. Because once things come down I mean, into paper or into the computer, uh, that's just whatever's been cooking in your brain being delivered and served on the table. You know, um, It's the output of all that. But it's perpetually and constantly being written in your head over and over and over again. That's why you go back to a draft and you can be like, oh, I meant to say this. Just because it doesn't exist when the draft exists in your head, that's where it's being revised all the time, you know? So um, getting into that habit of, of going through the entire thing all the way through, because that's, that's one thing I see some people do, and this is a mistake a lot of writers make. They'll start to write something, and then they'll start to edit themselves while they're writing. Yeah, not a smart move. Yeah, they'll start to they'll slow down. They'll try to get too detailed in the first run through. Mm -hmm. When... In reality, you need to have the entire thing already loaded in your head and rip through it the entire time. So people say write very fast because then you get to actually have something as a straw man, put it up and then go back to it once you've given your brain and your subconscious time to process it and give it another layer, like coat of paint. Oh, yeah. No, I agree with that entirely. Like my process for writing is a little bit different to that. 
but actually yeah. has the same modalities, like the same thing, but without going back and writing constantly. Because my way of writing copy quickly is verbalizing it, so I can whip out a sales letter in seven minutes speaking, right? It's a first draft. So essentially the way I do this is very much like you said, it's marinating around my client's work or what I'm trying to say. It just marinates internally for me, or I'll walk around speaking it out, or I'll talk to someone about it, and eventually it'll come out because it has to. Now, once it's done that way, it's now editing time. It's once the draft is written fully, it's not like, hey, I wrote a great opening and now I've got to go through and edit it now and then I can do the next bit. No, 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 It has to be done start to finish and then I run through the edit because otherwise you'll think of about six or seven hooks while still focusing on one part, but you'll never get past the opening paragraph exactly. if you don't, if you just keep editing. And something I'd say right now that helps people, that helps me and maybe it helps, maybe it's something you could, that you do as well, even unconsciously and other people listening can do. Um, I like, because I've got my checklist of the things I want to run through in a sales set in the process I create. What I tend to do is I actually um, write down on a piece of paper or on a, an app if I'm writing digitally, is I just write down what I want to say, headline, subheadline, opening paragraph, uh, introduction, conversation starter, blah, blah, blah. So I do this entire situation, introduction, who you are, blah, 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 all the way down to the close and the PS. And they're just little taglines. They're nothing more than just little uh, square brackets with the word that I need to be in there. And I leave that there. And now my brain's starting to formulate like, okay, what's a good headline, subheadline, blah, and starts building this thing out like a shelving unit. And then you edit yeah. once you're done. It's just more or less getting something on paper with a... Not even formula, but like a structure, your brain will start to follow as long as you don't edit right away. The moment you start editing is when your brain starts like looping that energy into one area and thinks it's done. Yes. No, that's a that's a great point. As uh, Eugene Schwartz said, if uh, anyone says that you write copy, you sneer at them. I don't know if you've ever heard that. He gave a speech. Uh, he gave a speech to Rodale um, right before he died. Yeah, one of the best copywriters in the world. It's an amazing audio. Oh, it's um, brilliant! I've actually listened to it a couple of times. It's absolutely you know excellent. that one. Yeah, Hell, hell's yes. Yeah. So good. Um, that's very motivating. So, but he brings that up that um, you know, copy is not written. Uh, copy, you know, is assembled. Yep, it's assembled. So that means just like having a scaffolding of a building that you're building. You need to know where you're going from top to bottom. You need to have those bricks in place uh, because you're right. Your your mind, your subconscious will figure the stuff out and it will come out when it comes out, you know, but it needs to know what it's going into, you know. So that's why, like I said, pre-writing. And I think a lot of writers, you know, uh, there's three types of writing, right? There's writers, there's three types of writers. One that writes without thinking. And just burns through whatever happens and comes up at the time. There is a type that will think while they write and they may take a little longer and they will just go write something and then think about it and write something and go back. And then there's a third type, which is the most rare type that does all of the thinking before they write. And then mm -hmm. when they come down time to write, it just becomes this compelling, like you can't stop it all just is flowing out of you type of situation. And you can no longer, you know, it's no longer really something you have to force yourself to do. Uh, you know, you don't have to sit because it's, it's just happening. The writing is happening, right? Um, and I think a lot of guys, when they start, they start using some formulas and then they don't think it out properly. 
I know I've done a lot of guys with coach. When I really brought the idea of pre-writing and planning out your letter and doing what we're saying, we're outlining it, knowing the flow of it, knowing what containers your thoughts are going to have to go into ahead of time. Uh, they, you know, that will actually produce a letter versus just kind of running around in circles and uh, not knowing where you're going. Because if you don't have an outline, you literally will write in circles and make the same points over and over again. Yep. And it just ruins everything. So I, I learned that the hard way a long time ago when I did my first book. Um, but it's, you know, it's a critical part of the process is getting all of your free writing done ahead of time. I think so. Oh, massively. I mean, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're just basically, and sorry about the crude imagery, image here, guys, but you're basically just jerking off on a page repeatedly over the same thing. You are. That's and essentially all. It doesn't go all, anywhere. Yeah, it, it doesn't. It's like, um, <laughs> I fucking love this movie just simply for this one quote alone, Van Wilder. I love that movie. Just, just the one quote. I think you know what the quote is. It's like, worrying is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but gets you nowhere. Nowhere, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, the sa- it's the same thing with writing copy without structure. It's essentially, you're just writing for the sake of jerking off on a page and making yourself feel good. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes that's something you need to do to get started. You know? Oh, entirely. Um, I think that there's been plenty of times where before even knowing, I think it's easy to get over-structured, yep. especially if you're... Um, trying to use someone's formula or you're swiping a different letter and you're, you know, you backwards engineered their model and you try to fit it in too, too closely. So that's what, that's the other side of it. People can get too caught up in it. Then it becomes kind of robotic and it loses its human element. So it is a fine line between the two. Um, sometimes you might just write a bunch of crap in circles just to get it out of your head. So you can actually have it on paper and look at it and go, Oh, that's what I was trying to say. Okay. Well, maybe I could say it another way and then more, structured way over here you know so never disregard that you know if people you know if you guys are just an idea comes up and you start writing and you start repeating yourself just that's not your draft that's what your notes yep. my desk is a freaking nightmare pile of just notes in different directions and different color pens and all sorts of crap and it's a big chaotic mess and that is all that chaos gets put into the order of the structure you know and that's the kind of the balance that it's used at least yeah, that is essentially what it is. And something that, again, it may sound a little contradictory what we just said, but listen out for what we've just said. It's getting out of your own head. That is essentially what you need to do at times. I mean, one of the things I've done um, today, actually, with one of my clients, was I did not know what to write for her at all. I was having, like, a really shitty time writing. I was like, you know what? I don't know what to write. I'm just going to leave this here and see what happens. Honestly, all I wrote on that page was her bio, and not even her proper bio, the bio that I know her as. I'm like, hey, so this is Tanya, Tanya's blah, 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 she's done this, that, the other, she's cool, and I think she does this, that, the other well. She has a kid, and this is where she lives, and honestly, it was complete bullshit writing. None of this would actually make the sales letter go in there, but just the fact I put that in there, my brain's or my already my brain started to come up with like two or three hooks. I could like run and be like, oh, what if I did it this way? What if I looked at it this way? It's all about yeah. timing and how you actually uh, position your mind. Yeah, you got to have a straw man. You know, you got to have that at least, that, even if it's a bland, crappy story, like, you know, Sally got a new dog and took her for a walk. You know, it's like, well, that may sound stupid, but now it's in your head. Again, the writing happens in your head before it hits the paper. The paper is the expression of, of the letter that's forming in your mind. Yeah. Why, after you write a full-on letter, you feel like you just gave birth to, like, 
a brain baby and you want to like go sleep for a year, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's what happened. Um, so yeah, it's like, you know, all of that is happening in the head again, you know, you want to be able to revise it. So if you have that straw man concept, you're going to be working on it because you're suddenly you're going to have, you're going to see a scene where Sally walks her dog, you know, say that's what you're trying to say. You're going to see it in your head something happened and then you can get into that moment and write in that moment. And suddenly that little shitty line that you wrote, it becomes the impetus, the seed to something much greater that will actually be much better. You know, it's like a coloring book. You first got to write, draw the lines before you actually fill in the colors. Exactly. It's one of those crazy little things that we just don't do that often anymore. And it's a little convoluted, but trust me, once you put in the work for it, it's totally worth it. Yeah, absolutely. It's one of those few joys. All right, so dude, something I've got to ask you that's completely outside of like the whole business realm and stuff like that is what is like one of your favorite books to read, like fiction books to read? Ooh, that is a good question. You know, I I admittingly have not been uh, into fiction much, but uh, lately, but when I was a kid, I was much more into fiction. But um, honestly, the last good fiction book that I wrote was Carpetbaggers. Um, I don't know if you've ever read this book. No, I, think, I haven't. Oh, man. it. Um, I think the guy's name was Rawlings. I'm, I Henry? I want to say. Nah, Henry, I think it was the, uh, the singer, but it was a uh, carpetbagger. Hold on a second. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, it was a book by, it was actually recommended by Frank Kern to, as something, if you want to learn how to write really punchy with a lot of... Bukowski. Bukowski. I think so. Charles Bukowski wrote like The Postman or something. Post office, yeah. hold on, carpetbagger. I'm going to look it up. It was, uh, yeah, Her- Harold Robbins. Harold Bob. Robbins, oh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, it was um, Harold Robbins. It was a good book. It was one of those that like, was really just dripping and um i read it you know i always kind of like to read through that book um and it's actually funny because i'm actually I, I don't know for sure but i would think i'm semi-dyslexic um reading used to take a lot more effort for me yep and um so like i was always my favorite things were with audios you know same uh totally an audio learner but I always like a good fiction book. I used to like a lot of uh, uh, Stephen King novels. Don't blame me. Stephen a King's a fucking genius. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Excellent. Something. Yeah, was... these types of books. I would anyone for uh, copywriters, carpetbaggers, the carpetbaggers by Harold Robbins. That's it's a... like five bucks on Amazon. It Frank Kern recommended it a long time ago. It was a badass read, and you could just see how a like all of his sentences are short, punchy, gripping. You know what I mean? Oh Put yeah, the, end the story. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's really good stuff. See, it's something that I'm gonna actually. That's thank you for reminding me that. That's a tip for everyone listening to this because I had to yell at someone the other day about this. Um, yeah. I really fucking dislike. Um, I really fucking dislike people that write copy in paragraphs, like English paragraphs, meaning like six sentences or like. You, you know, like, the big, chunky fucking paragraphs they send you. 
break yeah, that yeah, sh- yeah. break that shit up. Like seriously, I have a simple rule. If I can say something and turn it into a sentence in two lines, I'm happy. If it's four lines, cool. But I go by like the shorter the sentence, the easier it is for me to read through. It doesn't matter about so much length because not we're we're not paying by the freaking space anymore like we used to when you did newspaper ads. I mean, you still do if you do newspaper ads. But you got right. the internet. You got the advent of the internet, so you can run. You can add a lot more. Um, you can have a lot more space. That doesn't mean you shouldn't make your goddamn stuff punchy. By all means, make it punchy as fuck. Make it punctual. Make it succinct. Make it persuasive. I agree. I I to add to that, uh, you don't want it punchy, pure punchy all the way through. No, you want some there story are, in there, obviously. Yeah, you. There's like you got to look at the length and the rhythm of the the copy kind of like its own flow so you might have a couple punching punching you know i think of a jazz musician right they might have a you know they might have a certain type of beat that's kind of slow and punchy all of a sudden they start going off on some crazy shit because they've caught the emotional wave of it you know there's ways that if you have like say something you know a lot of actually rap artists will do this um they'll have a couple lines there'll be a couple punchy lines and then they'll throw in like, you know, a line that spans like two bars instead of one or half of one, you know, um, it will go on for a little bit because they will lead up to that with punchy lines. So it's good to kind of have, I mean, I know what you mean. People that go on and on, it's like a huge run on sentence um, that can definitely choke up your copy and slow down the reader a lot, unless it is like masterful level hitting them right, like going deep into an explanation of something they absolutely want. Then you can get away with it a little bit. Yep. Uh, but you don't want to uh, drag on, especially in story. In story, what I've under, what I've grown to understand is that, you know, the punchier the story, the more gripping what you're talking about is, not how you say it. You can't shine up a piece of shit and make it sound really great. You know, you can, you could try, but you're better off taking something that's punchy. It's more about what you're saying versus how you're saying. So a bunch of punchy, really gripping kind of hooky type of sentences and something that's a little bit more windy river, uh, kind of descriptive to follow it. It can create a very, you know, like a song. It creates, you know, you have your, your, um, your structural pieces basically that actually add together towards the hooks. Yeah. You have the chorus and the lyrics. Exactly. You got the chorus, you got the hook, you got all that. So it's all, it all blends together. You know, if it was all the same thing all the way through, it wouldn't really sound like good. you know. It would just be like the same beat. So, yeah, it's just mixing it up is probably the best thing to do. And um, on that note, I'd also say when BSLs versus sales letters um, is a world of difference when it comes to that. When you're looking at a sentence structure and you're coming at... Um, like punchier, punchier language and punchier sentences, uh, your VSLs are going to be pretty much uh, more punchy, whereas you can get away with more in sales letters because it's not spoken. Yeah. You know? See, I have this whole rule with like any kind of stuff that you do. Um, don't drag on. Lo- like, okay, so the best way I can do this and say this for simple, VSL sales letters, anything, have a fucking conversation with someone that you're selling to. Like, mm-hmm. li- literally, just have a fucking conversation. Because here's the thing. When you have that conversation, what they're actually going to say to you is try... 
write out your sales letter, find someone that's in your market, have a conversation with them and try and remember a really long winded, long running sentence that you have in there or paragraph in there and try and get all of that out to them before they can interrupt you. If they interrupt you at any point, you know that it's too long. Yeah. That's the way That's the way it works, and you got to be very smart about that shit. Now we're coming up to my favorite part of the show, which I love to ask, and again, because you're a fucking great dude to ask this. Uh, there's two questions I have for you, and one, because while we're shooting this, I'm kind of coming off uh, my own cycle of this shit. But for you, when you had, like, I'm sure you've had this, where you've had, like, the carpet pulled out from underneath you, you basically landed on your ass, um... And your confidence is a little bit knocked, as you know, you got a little bit of doubt or whatever it is. What was it for you that raised you back to your feet and actually finding your own confidence and your own footing? Hmm. I could tell you when that moment was. Go for it. And maybe you guys can relate. <laughs> so when uh, I told you that I had my website that got kind of crushed by, you know, a much more uh, experienced marketer, um, <clears throat> well, that was kind of happening when I was in a transition of moving. I had found a, uh, uh just leaving a house, uh, in Colorado. It was this big, gorgeous house. Ended up being a whole lot of responsibility that took a whole lot of, this, of our time, but it was this awesome place. I just ended up leaving and it didn't, you know, it was just a little bit chaotic time period. So that's when things were starting to get a little bit shaky. But I went to go move, and I was uh, moving with two dogs, cat, and my ex, and we were moving to try to get to somewhere temporary because we wanted to, uh, you know, really kind of figure out where we wanted to go next. You know, moving anywhere, you can go anywhere. Well, we actually, uh, so we showed up at our friend Kevin's house, and we said, okay, we're going to stay here for a month and figure out where we're going to go. And I had some client stuff going on, you know, I had, uh, I knew that sales had slowed down and I kind of had a feeling why, uh, I had, I was aware of this other offer, but well, what basically happened is that the place I was staying at said, Oh, sorry, you, you can't be here anymore. Your dogs are too big. You gotta go. You can't, you guys can't stay here. And we're like, what? We have all of our stuff is in storage. You know, we don't have, it was like the middle of uh, summer. So all the hotels in the area and all the rental places were booked. You know, we were in a small mountain town somewhere. We didn't really have anything else, any other options. So I ended up pitching a tent for 10 days and living in a fucking campground. All right. Now, the day that happened was the day that the guy who used to promote my product told me that he gave me a year to come up with something else and he was going to dominate the market. Same day. Wow. It was a dick about it. I mean, if you're listening, you know, it's absolutely true. You're a dick about it. But <laughs> like, I'm not going to say who it is because, uh, you know, I, I've actually never even spoken about it. I've kept this whole thing to myself. You know, it, like I said, it made me sharpen my sword. But so here I am in a campground. All my shit is, is I'm, I'm there to live there for 10 days before I figure out where I'm going to move all my house. And I'm being told that I'm going to basically, I'm basically getting bent over and fucked by someone that's like 
10 years more experience than me. <laughs> Not a fun place to be. No, no. That to me is hitting pretty hard bottom. So how did I get up from that? Well, first of all, again, burning the ships. What else are you going to do? What are my options? Get really fucking good at what I'm doing and make a comeback or roll over and die. You know, I, I you know, it's like, what can you do? Um, I would have to say it was a combination of love and hate that got me back off my feet and ready to make, you know, new things happen. It was a, I, I mean, I felt like an idiot. I felt like I was sitting on a gold mine, didn't know it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I got it rubbed in my face pretty hard. So, like, I became pretty obsessed with wanting to come back and win. Like, more than anything. Like, uh, I would remind myself every day. There was a picture on my wall that said, kill or be killed above it that I would look at every day. And so, yeah, I would say a burning hatred to want to win and, and come back was something that absolutely got me going. Um, but the other side, I've always had a love for, for what I'm doing. You know, yeah. I, I, I love what I love the freedom that it gives me. I love the crazy shit that it puts me through. You know, I mean, the copywriting is an emotional roller coaster. I'm crazy. I, I, I go into a very deep emotional place and I can see why a lot of old copywriters are cranky. <laughs> you know, yep. like they're making a lot of money, but they're all cranky men. A lot of these guys, you know, it's like a lot, a lot of our, our mentors. I mean, they're they they're rough and brash, and this this job takes a toll on you emotionally because you're going to such deep places with other people, you know. But I I love it. I, I love the whole thing about it, and it's mm-hmm. something that I love coming up with ideas when they hit me. It's like I need to do something with this, and more importantly, I want to actually make an impact. Like we could sell anything. Like I could, I could go and sell all sorts of shit. You could go do some sort of MLM scheme, rip a bunch of people off and make money. You know, I mean, there's so much shit I could sell, but why are we doing this? Cause yeah, we want to make money, but we want to help people like legitimately, like actually give them an out in this fucked up, messed up world that everyone's plugged into the social matrix. We want to unplug them like Neo, Yeah. you know, like, like in the matrix, like that's literally how I feel sometimes because I grew up in a place that was very conditioned. It was very, uh, very conservative area, very judgmental bullshit. Everyone's trying to be everyone else. And I just didn't ever fit in there. I felt like I belonged here. Yeah. So I got, I got out and I said, I need to help people unplug from this shit because everyone is running around pretending to be happy and they're miserable. And that was a long time ago. That was before we got as technical as we did with uh, society as before all the cell phone stuff. And, you know, it's crazy. So it's like that, that drove me, you know, having a, having a, a reason other than just wanting to have money, you know, it's like, so you, you got to have a love for what you're doing. What find your, that's why I say find your passion. That only works if there's a market to support it. Cause I could be passionate about goat cheese, but maybe I'll make money about with goat cheese, but you know, it's not necessarily, it's not necessarily the smartest move for me. Right. Like, right. I, not that, you know, like I'm, I don't, 
I like goat cheese. I don't have a passion for it, but I, <laughs> you know, what I mean? like it's just there, people can be passionate about anything. Doesn't mean that there's money there, you know. Uh, I, it, all of the self-help world is about people trying to break free from the mundane drudgery and monotony that they've found themselves consumed in. All of it. So yep. that's to me where you know, thinking of the. Uh, the people that I'm helping. That's why I want to promote good products. I want to create good products. I want to give them good things. You know, like the, for example, like tarot cards, right? All that stuff is, is self-help. It's all ancient self-help. It's something that we as humans have projected onto the world, right? Let's try, like, for example, astrology. Astrology is, is a bunch of archetypes that we have projected onto the world collectively over thousands of years, over and over and over again. And it says so much about what we're thinking inside is people. There are archetypes inside of us that they address. And same thing with tarot cards, the, the storylines that are in there. I actually, um, you know, Carlos Redrick? Yep, I know. Yeah, I mean, he, he did a consult with me, paid me a bunch of money to just explain to him one of the storylines of the tarot. Because there's four storylines. If you think the hero journey is good, there's three other ones yep. that are just as powerful. And those are all been used over and over by Hollywood over and over yep. and over again. So it's like all the archetypes really are stuff that I've always been interested in. So ways for people to try to figure out themselves in the world and make sense of things. And, you know, I've always liked stuff that other people thought were bullshit. I don't know. I've always just enjoyed things that um, were different. And when, when, when people go, oh, that's crap about, or, about anything, I'm the one that's going, Oh, yeah, well, I bet there's a reason that there's something there. I mean, it's been around forever. There's got to be something. You yeah. Know, all the naysayers. Uh, I always have been the one to say, you know, well, let's, let's look a little deeper. Let's see what it's really about. And so, you know, that's it. Uh, and it's, it's all ancient self-help stuff. That's why, like, the, the product that I'm creating, that I've created with my partners, is very filled full self-help tools. You know, it's really what it is. It's a big self-help thing. So, you know, yeah. I like uh, the idea of taking ancient self-help tools to help people in a modern fucked up society. It's the best way of looking at it. And by the way, guys, read Stealing Fire by um, Stephen Kotler as well, because if you want to see like how much we spend a year on just self-help, read that book. He goes into the actual numbers. It's a ridiculous amount. I think it's like, some, like $4 trillion is how much we spend. Really? Yeah, so it's a ridiculously high number. But that's just an interesting thing. Uh, Adam... I'm going to get you to stick around for a little bit after the show, but guys, thank I want to thank you, Adam, personally, for actually being here and doing this, because <laughs> through your journey, you've dropped more knowledge bombs than most people actually realize by taking a copywriting course. There well, is so much goddamn good information here. It's ridiculous. Thanks. I'm glad I could, sh I'm glad I could uh, share. You know, I'd love to do this again. I, yeah, I'd love to get you back stuff on. all the time. Yeah, Dude, it sounds great. To. Cool. Guys, go check out tarotreadingdaily.com. Uh, just even if, just just look at it. Go there, check it out. Be a part of it. Be a part of the movement. Reach out to Adam because he's a great dude to actually talk to and connect to, and hire the guy if you want to as a consultant because the guy will save you a lot of time. I mean, it's what we do for a living. Oh yeah. Uh, and that is, by the way, that is the only time I will tell anyone on the show to hire someone else rather than me, uh, because Adam is actually that good. I actually like him. So if you go to him, I won't be mad at you. 
But you know what I mean. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. So this is the way it is. But dude, thank you so much for being here. Guys, go check hey, out. My pleasure. Thank you. Guys, go check out his site. Uh, sign up as well for his newsletter and his list. Um, just find him everywhere you can on social media. And uh, guys, please go ahead, review, comment, and subscribe to this uh, podcast so we can get more great people like Adam in as well. Take care, and uh, thanks again for being here, man. Appreciate hey, it. Hey, thank you, man. You guys have a good one.